Welcome to The Art of Badassery, where I explore what it takes to live life on your own terms, break free from the status quo, and unleash your inner badass. Whether you're a rebel at heart or simply seeking inspiration to step outside your comfort zone, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Mahara Wayman, and each week I dive into the stories, insights, and strategies of those who have mastered the art of badassery and are living life to the fullest. They smile when no one is looking. Welcome back to The Art of Badassery. I'm your host, Mahara Wayman, and you're in for such a treat today. I have a super cool guest. Her name is Pei Yang. She grew up in Taiwan, and now she lives in Scotland. She has a beautiful story to tell, but I'm going to invite her to share the juicy bits. Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Mahara, for having me and reintroducing myself. I always found this really difficult, but I think I'm going to give it a try. So my name is Pei Yi. I am a parenting consultant and teen expert at a Rainbow Parenting Practice, which is, you know, I founded the practice last year. But for my entire life, I was that little girl who was called to not be able to mount to anything where I grew up to a very successful entrepreneur and then also a, a practitioner, you know, working with children and families. So I really love to share my story with everyone or the your audience. And I think one thing really important for me to for people to know about me is I work with families and teens with challenging behavior that nobody is able to help. So they come to me when they were in desperation, when they were about to at breaking point or reaching crisis. And I have families who work with professionals for 10 years still have no results. But when they come to me, everything is resolved. Oh, I love that. Let's go back, though, because, you know, I, I'm curious about your childhood mm-hmm. when you felt that or you were told that you were never going to amount to anything. What was the turning point when you said, I'm going to show you? Because I'm assuming you did, because here you are. Mm-hmm. I think it was pretty late in my life, I have to say. And and growing up in the Asia culture in my era, that was a different time. You know, like the society really had a lot of expectation for children in terms like you need to achieve academically and you need to have a good job. You need to be able to have a good job to provide for your family because there's no social welfare system back then. So then it's all about being a doctor, being a solicitor, being a psychiatrist, being really high achieving professionals. And I wasn't that we got out. I was so academically behind and I was always the youngest in the class because my mom registered me a year earlier. So then I was always like, Ugh. and then I was just, I was, I was really struggling throughout my academic year. Seriously, I think it's only when I get to my university life, it changed my whole perspective, perception of myself because I met some really amazing prof- uh, professors and I went to a Christian school, a Christian university actually back in Taiwan. And that the reason I went there because I had no school to go to, Mahara. I <laughs> you have to sit exams to go to university and I was that strict. My grade was so bad. I had no class to go, no university to go to, but that Christian school. So I went and studied for four years, but that's where I started to found myself and going like, actually there are people here actually believe in me. And I was really thriving in that environment. And it was, then we had to speak English, it's an English 
it's American school. So we had to learn to speak English and all these things. And then I was like, this is great. I can do this. And that's when I started to think I could actually, I don't need to be that child who was caught to never amount anything because someone sees something in me. And that's where I started to think, yeah, I could do something about my life. But then there's another journey right after my university life. But that's a starting point that I somebody believed in me. Somebody gave me the, the confidence and trust and belief. Like, you know what, this, we lastly can do something. So that is a beautiful story. And I'm glad that you brought it up because sometimes I think we forget how powerful it is when someone believes in us, even if it's somebody you don't know necessarily at the beginning, right? So the fact that you had this in university, perhaps a little bit later, the, the transformation, the aha a little bit later than others, doesn't really matter because look what it's, look what a difference it's made. I'm curious though, what was the reaction of your family and your friends and your intimate circle as they watched this young woman blossom? I think my family is, is really proud of me, you know, and actually I was the first person in my family, the entire, my dad's side and my mom's side to actually go to university and have a master. I'm actually working on my fourth one. So thinking about, yeah, I'm about to be finished with my family therapy training this year. So from a child who was academically behind to having the fourth master's, that is amazing. They're really proud of me. They're thinking, oh my God, what happened to my week? We girl who was doing so well. And yeah, and I feel really proud. I will be able to make my family proud. And my friends as well, they're like, what happened to this woman? You know, that was always shy. This girl who was so shy, who never had many friends and who was always in her little bubble. And then all the same to this woman who can actually speak in public, deliver training to professionals, helping families when nobody can. And, you know, being so confident. So I think they definitely watch me grow in this journey. But my journey doesn't come alone just because of me. I have a lot of amazing support people around me and carry me through this journey when I was at my lowest point. So it is really a collective effort that I am the, the way I am today. That's such a great thing to point out. And, you know, there's a lot of cultures that recognize that it's the entire community that raises a child. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, I'm not going to, it doesn't matter. I think many cultures feel that way. And it's one that we have often, I think in our society, Western civilization in the last you know, few hundred years have really moved away from, but what you've described is, is a beautiful example of that regardless, like, and time-wise doesn't matter. It's still, there's still a group of people that are supporting you. You mentioned at my lowest point, mm -mm. Was that in university, just before university? Would you mind taking us there just so we can get an idea of how you were feeling before the transformation? So I, I think at my lowest point was when I finished my university. Actually, it's during my university while there were so many things, good things happen in my university life. My, my family actually went through bankruptcy. My father's business were like he, he his money was stolen and he was left with a lot of money by his business partner and all these things so at the age of 18 while I was still trying to thrive and get to know who I was as a person as a young person 
I already had to start making money. And, and like back in that era, I have to explain, back in the era in Taiwan for an 18-year-old to be making money is very unusual, right? You don't you do not do that because parents provided money for you. So I was started to work in and all of these things. And there are times I actually have to think twice if I can buy a 10, a 10 pence chocolate bar. And that is really, that was really the lowest point in my life. And, but I met so many amazing people. I was coached. I was teaching English back then already. I was, I have so many high achieving parents because I was educating their kids English. They would buy me clothes. They, you know, and 10, throughout this 10 years period, I was teaching in Taiwan. By the time I actually moved to Scotland to study, some people have given me the airplane tickets. Some people bought me a laptop you know, some people buy me clothes, give me money to send me off to Scotland to purchase, to to pursue my education. So these te these ten years of struggle, those families, the people I've served have helped me as well. So I will say that was probably the lowest point of my life and my family's life is we're struggling so much financially and there's a lot of judgment. So, but we came through. We're good. Hello, you came through with flying colors. You know what I liked about what I really liked about your story? Because what I heard was, despite the struggle, yeah. I believed so much that others believed in me. Yeah. And I think that's a really, that's a, that's badass, first of all. Mm -hmm. And it's not always easy to do because to your point, there is a lot of judgment around scarcity and money and mm -hmm. and prestige and and education. I mean, we've got we're human beings. We've got judgments about everything. And I I really love the picture that you're painting. That despite the pressure, the oddity, the fear, all of that stuff, you still managed to step up and step into what you were good at at the time and make mm -hmm. a change in people's lives. And these people they reciprocated by by being very generous and loving and. I, what a great story. Absolutely. I am still so grateful for these families I've worked with. And I'm still in contact with them in Taiwan. And their children all grew up, right? Some of them universities, some of them are having family already. But that's only because I started teaching them at the age of 18 or 17, <laughs> right? But that was great. I was like, oh, you guys are like 26, 8 now. I was like, it's amazing. I love that. And then life in Scotland is the same. It was a struggle to start with new job. You know, when I was studying, oh, that's another story. Can I share that story, Mahara? Yeah. So, like, you know, all these families send me off to Scotland to study my art therapy course, right? The master. I want to be an art therapist back then. And it's really my whole life saving. I saved like so much where I was still paying debts up, paying off my debts. And then I moved to Scotland a year later, only to find out I was failed. Um, <laughs> I was failed. I was kicked out of the course. <laughs> I was so devastated. Seriously, I was I spent probably about ten thousand pounds, right? Not on the course itself, not along with other additional cost. So I was failed on the course. I was kicked out. I was devastated. I was so upset. Like all the expectation, all the hopes, and all the you know the the support I had, and all the expectation I had for myself went down the drain just by one essay. So I was kicked. Yeah, I failed one essay. I was kicked out. And I was so upset. I was just like, the life was terrible. I couldn't cope anymore, blah, blah, blah. But then again, amazing support picked me up. And the the universe really had its way. I mean, I'm I'm Christian. I believe in God. He was saying to me, this is not your path. Your path is something else. So then I went on to another course, which I that was my first master is uh, doing the child development side of things. And I just thrive from there. So 
Yeah. Oh, I just want to make sure I've got this. I'm understanding because there's a beautiful lesson in there that I want to make sure our listeners hear. Mm-hmm. You went to Scotland to do art therapy. Yep. And you had saved thousands of pounds for the experience and also had support from families and yep. friends, whatever. You're in Scotland. You're doing this art therapy course. Yep. And with, with one essay mm-hmm. that you failed, you yep. were kicked out of the course and you're back to ground zero. Yep. So I didn't get my qualification whatsoever. No, but what I'm here, what I'm hearing is that something in you said it's okay. You listen yeah. to the universe, yeah. as I happen to believe, mm-hmm. and you oh, you were open to another direction. Yep. How long did it take for you to do that? Because to me, what you're just what we've just described is mm-hmm. the crux of so many of our challenges. Is mm-hmm. it doesn't work out the way we want. Mm-hmm. And I'm speaking from experienced people and I get really annoyed. Like I'm determined that I'm going to be X or I'm determined I'm going to get, I'm going to do this mm-hmm. get to there. And the universe has a completely different idea. And I just, am so determined that I be right. And I don't, you know, I, it takes me a while mm-hmm. to let go. My question is how long did it take you to surrender? Two weeks. Two. Okay. See, she, <laughs> two weeks. she knew exactly where I was going with this. Only two weeks. I had no time, Mahara, because the course was already started to start. They put me on another course, right? They say, we failed you on our therapy, but you can go through this course. So they put me on another course. I sat in the first lecture and I was crying. My teeth, I just couldn't stop crying. I was like, this is not what I was here for. I'm not here to learn about art management, right? I was like, this is terrible. So then I was really blessed to have a friend who was also in the same situation as I was. And he's like, there's this course in Edinburgh University. They have an open day. We can go and speak to them. I seriously dashed as soon as they said, there's this course. So we left to go to Edinburgh University and we managed to speak to the course director and she was telling us like we would love to have you but the closing date has closed so he doesn't she doesn't really know if the graduate admission office will accept us but I say over this weekend I remember I still remember that was a Friday say over this weekend send me all your information all your application your certificates your everything and I will send this over to the graduate office and I I thought my mom's doing I was like get this done over this weekend and we got that so we sent it over on a Sunday and I remember I, I heard back on the Monday afternoon she told me you've been accepted but there's a few things to catch up and that's when I go right I am doing this God has already opened another door for me and then I still didn't have enough money because I was like I don't have money to do this course but then again my family friends and have helped me through that journey so I was able to finish my master and leave in Scotland I was also working in ice cream kiosks to, to make money so I survived and I was really happy on the course mm-hmm. so such an inspiring story and you know truthfully you're quite young at this time I mean I'm in my late 50s and I'm mm-hmm. I can appreciate how much courage it took to not only ask for help but to to trust in the universe or God's mm-hmm. source what, whatever word resonates with you I'm telling you folks that takes courage, right? And for you to have that at such a young age is really remarkable. So, okay, let's move forward a little bit. You got your degree in, what was the first one, that you, your first master's that you have? It's childhood studies. So it's about child development and a psychology side of things and social social study side of things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, very fascinating topic. I'm a parent, hardest job I've ever done. 
mm-hmm. most amazing job I've ever been given. But I see, I, I see the need. And I'm wondering what, if anything, came as a surprise to you, like, oh my God, I didn't realize this was such a problem. Or I hadn't realized how, I hadn't realized that this existed on such a level. I'm just curious when you started studying this, what what were some of the ahas for you? Well, I suppose because of my experience of being in school and how I was educated, I hated that. I hated how I wasn't treated as a person and I'm seen as an academic person. So my school, my first part-time job to pay, help my family pay off the day is to become a teacher. And I did just that. I was like, I am not ever going to treat my kids the way I was treated. My relationship with, with them trumped over everything. So I had a really good relationship with all my kids when I was teaching at the time. But only when I went on this course, I was like, huh? So everything I was doing, there's a psychology behind it, but I didn't know, right? Because I didn't study psychology back then and the child development side of things. I just go with my gut, go with what I think is the right thing to do and how I get connected with the children. So when I went on that course, I was like, okay, so everything I did, there's actually a theory to back this up. So I wasn't doing something random. So that became really powerful for me because I've already got the experience side of things and now I've got the theory side of things. So it became a really powerful tool for me to support and help family. And that was my first aha moment thinking I can do this and I love doing this and that's why I want to do art therapy in the first place is I want to look at the psychological inside psychological side of things to help children you know to thrive to know actually you can have your voice because I didn't have a voice when I was a child you know and I wanted to heal that part of me through working with other children and which is another side it's another story another story yeah what I think is so, so special, and I, I have to call it out, mm-hmm. is the recognition that we are on the right path. Mm-hmm. Because when we, when we instinctively know something mm-hmm. or and act on it, to me, that's like, wow, you really are connected with your authentic side. You authentically recognize what your strengths are. You're trusting your gut instinct. And so it's just a great story because so many of us, I think, and Guys listening, feel free to drop comments, but see if you agree with this. So many of us pretend and ignore our intuition because of what we were told. Um, you need to be this. You need to be that. You need to, you know, like you said, you need to be a doctor, a lawyer, or, you know, something of that genre. But when we actually, when we take a breath, and listen to our intuition, we actually do know the answers. And some of us have developed our intuition stronger mm-hmm. than others. Some of us, you know, we have it straight from the womb and we've never let go. We've always listened to it, which is great. But this is just an example. So peeps listening, when you when you figure out that you're, you know something intuitively, that's a sign, go with it, go with it. It's part of being bad, right? Trusting your intuition. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. Okay, so you got your first master's. You work, you're working with children. What age children typically did you work with at that time? Or is it the same now? Well, it's pretty much from zero to 18 back then, you know, but mainly, I mean, it's in various setting, but mainly primary age children. And they're occasionally will be teenagers. And it's all children who are on child protection, you know, who experience abuse, neglect, trauma, parental, domestic violence, you know, also all, all the life adversaries you can think of, I have had the privilege to work with. And for the past 10, 11 years, I started to focus in on teenagers. 
all I can think of as you're ta- as you're talking about this is my heart is kind of aching. Mm-hmm. I'm a parent, and I feel so fortunate. But what you've described takes a special skill, I think, to not be flattened by the pain. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if you could talk about that for a little bit, because just listening to you, I can feel a heaviness in my heart, like a sadness. Mm-hmm. I am not meant to work in that area. Like I can just tell because it feels heavy. But how did you or how do you navigate mm-hmm. between, you know, the work and the empathy or the or how you, you know, the Mm-mm. two sides of that, because it takes a special person. Mm-mm. It was really hard to begin with, but I think I am so connected with the, the children's needs and the parents' needs, and you kind of become part of them, but then you're not really them. But I really struggled to begin with. I was like, I can't do this. Like, you know, hearing children telling you they have been abused or mom has been battered by their partner or you know they have another psychotic episode it really breaks your heart and I think having good support is really important because in the end of the day you need to think about I always remember this right when I was working in a hospital as a clinical as, a, as my placement my supervisor always tell me and I still remember this day has helped me till this day is you are a washing machine payee washing machine washing machine you yeah that's what she said to me you have to imagine yourself as a washing machine you dry clothes you don't soak water in and stay wet right so you have so I was like that makes me think right so all the emotional side of things I need to let it go and have a place to go and it it does take time to work that through because sometimes I remember I was working with this five-year-old and it's only after when she was giving me feedback she said she wrote something like I'm so grateful for pay to come and visit me so I can sleep at night so I have food to eat and that really like just like oh my god but at the same time you knew you have done something wonderful for this young person that she really needed at the time you know but it was it's not easy it's still not easy I could be at two o'clock walk up thinking right that family you know or like in walking my dog thinking all right all right I need to speak to his family about this so they're constantly with me but I also learned to live with their emotions and their challenges and struggles We're going to take a short break right now, but I'll be back with my guest within 60 seconds. Ladies, unlock your inner badass and transform your life with my monthly subscription workshop. For just $47 a month, you'll have exclusive access to work closely with me, Mahara Wayman, as we dive deep into all things badass from personal development to conquering your goals. Imagine waking up every day with confidence, purpose, and a smile that radiates your newfound strength. Take advantage of this badass opportunity and join us today at www.mindfulnesswithmahara.com and start your journey toward a happier, more confident you. Smile when no one is looking. You've earned it. But I think, you know, what I'm hearing, which is so powerful is, Number one, it's possible to do hard things. Yep. And that is, you know, that's another component of being a badass is recognizing that you can do hard things. What I also heard was a recognition that you can empathize, appreciate, you know, all of that. You can have that spectrum of emotions, but it does, you don't have to live there. Mm-hmm. So you can see it, feel it, recognize it, and then step away from it and go, okay, I'm here for a reason. Mm-hmm. How can I help this? And not allow yourself to be drowning in 
this, but it does take a special person. I just want to say thank you on behalf of all of the children and families that you've helped, because I know how important it is that Mm -hmm. these children have a voice. Um, I I said to someone the other day, (laughs) I was telling them that when I raised my kids are 20 today, my youngest turns 20, 20 and, and almost 25. And I had a very upper middle class upbringing, happy, healthy, you know, very fortunate. And I still struggled to to keep my cool as a parent because, you know, children can be very tough. And I remember saying to them, screaming at them, actually, count your lucky stars. Mommy doesn't drink or do drugs, because if I did, (laughs) you'd be in trouble, like you'd be hurting now. And while I said it in jest, I kind of didn't because I recognized in that moment that this is hard. You know, when when you are exhausted mm-hmm. I mean, I we had food on the table, beautiful house, beautiful family. And I still felt at the end of my rope trying to navigate a day with these young children. Mm-hmm. And I've never forgotten screaming that at them. And of course, my children were like, yeah, mom, whatever. <laughs> yeah, my <bye>, mom. <laughs> Um, But it really did help, you know, being a parent has really opened up my eyes to the fragility of life. Absolutely. And it's really the most admirable profession ever, you know? Yeah, to be a parent. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so let's fast forward a little bit. Mm -hmm. You have been in Scotland for 27 years? Actually, 20 years, I think, coming to 20. Mm-mm. Okay, sorry. Okay, so you've been there for 20 years. By the way, I love that a couple of your words have that Scottish accent. I try not to speak Scottish because I worry people won't understand me. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you have been in Scotland for over 20 years. Let's talk about what you're doing now because you mentioned that last October you established your own parenting practice. Let's talk about that and how I'd love to know some key moments in mm-hmm. A, the decision to open yeah. that practice and mm-hmm. something that may have happened once you've opened it? Well, before I opened my practice, I actually had been working with the teenagers, uh, with the most vulnerable teenagers across the city. And they were at risk of being accommodated, really, because of their antisocial behavior. They could be really aggressive. They could be taking drugs. They could be running drugs and associated with gang, sexual exploitation or exploitation in general. So that's what I was doing. And they... Uh, I really loved my job and I never thought about, I would love working with teenagers. When I first got this job, I was like, is this the right job? Why am I with teenagers? I don't, I'm not sure. But then throughout this journey, it's fascinating, Mahara, because I love working with them. They're so funny. And then I realized, actually, the reason I connected with them so much is because I was that teenager myself. I was rebellious. I wouldn't, I didn't get along with my parents. I didn't want to speak to them. I didn't want to go traveling with them. Even they say, let's go to America. I'm like, no. So you just don't want to do that part. So then I reminded of myself, like part of my life. I was like, right, that's why I connected so well with them. And then there's, because the demographic that we I work with is really, really like, it's polar opposite. There could be families on benefits. There could be meaning celebrity family, politicians or psychiatrists, like really high achieving families. But I found myself connected really, really well with those high achieving families because they are the ones that professionals don't want to work with. And no offense to those professionals because these families are really intelligent. They know what they want. And you need to have, you need to be ready to have an answer for them to be able to work through things with them. Right. And then 
I love that challenge. I love when they throw a thing at me and go, so how do you explain this, Peggy? Right? <laughs> My teenager's like this. You tell me the answer. I'm like, great. I love these things. I really thrive in this. And then I think when you come to, and you mentioned I'm, I'm really not young anymore, Mahara. I'm about to be 50 years old very soon. And then I was like, right, I'm about at the point, and I did go through me life crisis. And while I was working with my job, managing all the service and everything, I was just like, do I really want to live like this till the day I die? Right. I love what I did, but there's something was missing. I feel like I need to do this on my own and want to do it my way and a better way that is fit into my value, my ethos. Because when you're working for organizations or pop, whatever that is, they have their own games to play. And then I was told, I was remember someone told me, if you don't like their games, you, you leave. Then I thought, you know what? I'm just going to make up my own game and I can have my own role doing my way, but I serve the family the best I can. So I decided I take a plunge. I was just like, I need to leave. And I did without like any, any money or saving whatsoever. I was like, I'm going. And I did last year. Crazy brave. Hmm? Crazy, yeah. crazy brave. I love that. So you now have your own business. I do. And I love it. I love every minute of it. It's not easy because like people don't know who I am. I was popular and re well respected in that professional life. Mm. But being a business person yourself, it's a new world for me. I have to reestablish who I am with people, introduce myself to people, who I am and what I can do. So that has been a journey for me. But I love every minute of it. When I wake up, I think about the families I work with or the families I can serve or who I can serve, you know, tomorrow and today. So I love it. I want to go back to just because you said something that I can really relate to, which was this fear of, wow, I got I, this is a whole new ball game for me. Yeah. You spent years in, in academia. You've spent years mm -hmm. in, in one way, in one mold. And now you're creating your own mold. I'm curious, though, if what came up for you that you had to deal with, because that, again, is a sign of being a badass is when you are willing to deal with the, the stories that come up. So was mm -hmm. anything like, was it imposter syndrome? Was it like, I like, I don't know, you tell me what came up for you that makes you say this was hard? I suppose it's the heart is, am I doing the right thing here? You know, am I writing the right message to the families I want to speak to? What if this is a bad decision? Cause I left a very high paid job to mm. zero income. And then I have seven pets to rate, to, to feed. And my husband is helping too. But there's a lot of finance, you know, financial implication. So then you do have those moments is have I made the right decision here to have my own business and serve the families the way I want to, or I should have stuck in that mold and get paid really well. And then, you know, just in my comfort zone, but I have never regretted my decision ever. Mahara, I did it. I regretted. I didn't do it earlier. Right. Mm -hmm. That's my decision as well I'm one reflection well it's hard and what was hard is that fear you keep going back to the fear of the lack what if the money didn't come in this month what is the money didn't you know I didn't have anything to pay for the bill but then it's a trade it's a process for me now I'm in a place sometimes I will still have my moments thinking where's my next client coming in right but then now I think about my success doesn't is not quantified by the money I make 
but it's by how many families I serve today. And I know there are a lot of families reading my posts, reading every single email I send them, because you know how they have the, they can look at the statistics. And when I see those families consistently read every single email, I send it to them for me, that is a success for me. So it's these things, moments, I start to have to retrain my brain. Your success is not coming from money, it's coming from how many people have you served. And those families who are ready to come to see me, they will show up at the time they need to so uh, we'll see okay can i just say amen yeah amen amen Amen. (laughs) but you know it's interesting because i understand exactly what you're saying and i understand the fear and for those of you listening you know the fear can show up in lots of different ways it can show up in anger Mm -hmm. you just get pissed off at your partner or you yell at your kids it can show up as somatically in your gut, like just a wrenching and your bowels just go like this and you just, you start to sweat. There's lots of different ways. But what I, what I say to my clients and to myself is it's coming up for a reason. Don't be afraid of it because first of all, the body remembers everything, right? So if you're feeling something in your body somatically, just say, thank you, Lord, thank you universe, because I'm going to listen now and take a moment to sit quietly. But then I think the, the next step really is to ask yourself, am I willing to have this experience, even if it's uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully you'll say yes. If you say no, then there's a reason for that too. And, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. But as an entrepreneur, man, oh man, there are days, because I'm I'm a new entrepreneur as well. And I also go, where's my next client coming from? And what I think is so amazing is how easy it can be to separate yourself from all the amazing things that you've done and just focus on what's not there. There isn't, you know, the bank account doesn't look the way I want it to or the way I need it to need in quotation marks. And then something will happen. Typically after I ask for, for help, I often, you know, in the morning when I do my meditation, I always ask for support and guidance. And then something will happen to remind me, just like you said, of all the amazing work that we are doing. Mm-hmm. And it, our success is not about the bank account. Yep. If we make success about outside material things, mm-hmm. we are always chasing that. Absolutely. If we let that go and recognize that success is within and we have everything we need, we are connected to source if we allow ourselves, then it just becomes very easy. But it's hard because we live in a material world. Bills have to be paid, you know, all of that stuff. So thank you for sharing that. I think it's very honest of you. And really, for those of you listening, you are not alone. Mm-hmm. We're here to tell you that we're, we know that you're not alone, but it is possible to navigate the challenges of entrepreneurship or even just the challenges of life. Because let's be honest, sometimes it can be really tough, especially as a parent. So you've, your business has been open for almost a year. What's yep. the biggest thing that you've learned about yourself? Brand new learning. About myself is I don't trust myself enough. Oh, oh okay. Hello. <laughs> that came as a surprise. What do you mean by that? Right. I am so, I, I know this is weird, isn't it? I, it just came out of my mouth, right? That must be true. I suppose it's because entrepreneurship is so new to me, but I'm really good at supporting families. And when like even the hardest, the most challenging 
family or the family, the challenges thing they are going through, I will be able to laser eye go, right, here's the problem. We can address this. Here's a good thing. We can look at this. But when it comes to my own business, I feel like I'm totally like a dummy, like a five-year-old. So then I'm really scared to make decisions like, oh, hmm, do I hire this person to do this or do I do this myself? Or am I, you know, doing my website right? Am I you know, on the right social platform, social media platform, or am I right, you know, in going on buying this course? And I invested a lot of money on coaching, by the way, Mahara, because that's one thing that we'll try to do. I'll just invest. So then I know I am best placed to to run my business and support my families. But that because being so new, I was not sure. And I don't trust myself enough to make the right decision about my business isn't it funny then I get really frustrated when things don't turn out the way they should have then I'll come back to myself that like, I should have listened to myself right and this keep repeating itself until now I'm like you are listening to yourself if you don't know what to do you wait till the answer comes to you and I tell my friends who knows about me I speak to them I say if I'm telling you about something and I'm going to make a decision you always come back to me is it are you sure is this the answer you are looking for so they will have some scripts to come back to me to remind me actually give you more time it's not an impulsive decision or you know it's like you know emotional decision so that has been really helpful but now I that was the thing I learned about my entrepreneurship and about myself is I don't trust myself enough when it comes to my business wow Thank you for your honesty. And I love it when when guests say, wow, I didn't know I was going to say that. That tells me I asked a great question, which is my superpower. And I think it's so important that we give ourselves a break. And I'm telling you, I'm in the same boat. I'm an I'm a new entrepreneur. And one thing that comes to me quite often as a memory, when I worked for a global health and wellness company, I learned a really beautiful trick as a facilitator which was if I didn't know where to go next in a group coaching session, for example, mm -hmm. somebody said something and I'm like, I don't even know how to connect that to the topic, for example. I would just invite them to tell me more. And what I heard in that was that you were actually, what you've learned is to give yourself time to come up with more, more feelings, more questions, more, more investigation, because when we give ourselves permission to learn, be, sit, feel, investigate, we come up with the answer. And that's that it's an exercise of trusting, learning to trust yourself and learning to to limit the judgments. I don't know about you, but I can be very judgmental about my business. Oh my God, I should have I should be making more now. I should have more clients. I shouldn't have I should should there's lots of shoulds. And I recognized in I'm a certified mastery method coach. And when we came to the module on judgment, I was blown away because in my naivete, in my obnoxiousness, I don't even know what word I would use. I just didn't realize how judgmental I was because I kept mm. thinking, you know, I'm a nice, easygoing person. I got lots of friends, got a great family. And then when I you know, got into this module and I realized that judgments, not only for others, friends, family, partner, husband, really judgments on myself were really hurting me. Judgments don't serve. They don't help guys. We create them for a reason. We create them to protect ourselves, but often we hang on to them long past when we've need them. And that's a big lesson for me. So learning how to be judgment free and, or to just sit and come up with 
more has really been helpful for me. I mean, it helped me as a, as a facilitator for group coaching, because when, when I invited people to tell me more, they actually had to think, and then we got to where we needed to go. Excellent. That makes sense. Yeah, it sounds amazing. I think like Mara, I can res- resonate with that. I think it's a sheer experience. It's a universal sheer experience, that judgment of ourselves and the voice we that your cultural or your family, that the shoot, you know, you're 15 years old, you should have done this. You're 30, you should be married by now, right? Or you're 40, you should have children by now. I'm like, who say so? Okay. So it's yeah, it this is all compound as to why we have that judgment for ourselves. And but I love the lesson you learn is to be kind to yourself and you know let the universe speak to you exactly and you know one of the easiest ways and I say this to clients quite often is I challenge you this week write down all the times that you've said a should full sentence I should have gotten up earlier I should have aced the test whatever it is and then change it to could and tell Mm. me how you feel differently in your body from one sentence to the other I should have gotten that raise versus I could have gotten the raise, but instead I got a sideways promotion that I actually like better mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. And it's, it's incredibly powerful. And, and it's so funny because every time I say it and people do it, they kind of look at me cockeyed like, Oh, whatever, Mahara. God. <laughs> and then they come back. Oh my God, that's amazing. What a difference language makes because yes. language has energy. I believe in the power of words. I'm a writer and I have a whole section in in one of my programs on getting to know the English language better. So it serves you and doesn't, as opposed to not serving you. So anyway, I I got a little bit sidetracked there on on the beauty of of the English language, but very, very nice. Okay. Let's talk about where you are absolutely today. What's going on in your world today? And why are you a badass? Well, I'm not doing much today. Today is my recovery day. So I'm just spending time with my husband, my dogs, and my dad is visiting me just now from Taiwan. Nice. So it's really nice to have the the two men I love the most in the world being with me. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And then my seven pets, just spending time with them. What else did you ask me? I already forgot the question. <laughs> I asked you, you know, why are you badass? And of course, okay, oh, let me, my badass, so. I know why you're badass. And I'm sure our listeners have already figured out that you're badass. But mm-hmm. I always ask, or I'm very curious why mm-hmm. you feel that you're a badass. I think I'm a badass. I don't have the worst life ever comparing to a lot of people. You know, in many ways, I still found myself really blessed in so many different ways. And this life hardship or adversaries, I... I feel like they are my superpower because they I use them as my superpower to help people, to help families because of what I went through. And I don't, I should remember. See, I should remember this better. I've already done it. I won't judge myself. I should have done it. This like in the Bible, it said, because you are comfort, you can comfort because you've been comforted. Mm. Right. And I, because I've been in that place and I've been comforted. So I can use that power to comfort other families who are really struggling. So I think these, my life challenges has really become a superpower to be able to serve families. And that's why I'm a badass. I don't, I got knocked down, I got knocked down, but I came back up straight away and then down, up, down and up and up and down, up and down, up and down. And I will continue to be up and down. Right? And that's I, real life. I love it. And you know what? You are badass because part of being a badass really is when you recognize who you are, you're not afraid to quote fail. You get knocked down, you get back up. You get knocked down, you get back up. I think that's a beautiful description of being a badass. And oh my gosh, 
holy hell, you are. If I ever make it to Scotland, I'm going to come and hang with you. And oh, all- my husband wants um, to go to Canada. Oh, does he? Oh, he does. He's like, let's move to Canada. I'm like, no. <laughs> it's a beautiful country. Thank you so much for chatting Thank with you. me today. I really love this conversation. And I suspect that we are going to have more of them off air just because I really connected with, with your story and your, your journey. I wish you all the best. Guys, check out the show notes because all the different ways that you can connect with my guest will be there. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation and I'll see you next week on The Art of Badassery. All the best with your business and you, have a great Laura. day. Thank you for tuning in to The Art of Badassery. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights to help unleash your inner badass. If you found this podcast helpful, please leave a rating or review on your favorite platform. Your feedback not only helps me improve the show, but it also helps others like yourself discover the podcast. Until next time, keep embracing your authenticity and living life on your terms. Here's to you. Thank you.